Hello, and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Tori. Hello, Internet. Craig. Hello. And Dave. Hi there. Uh, so, as always, we start with good thing. Uh, does anyone want to go first? Uh, I can go first, but uh, you know what's going to happen. Okay, look. I got two things. I got two things. One is going to be an honorable mention because we've already talked about it before. Uh, I stayed up until 5 a.m. last night playing Slay the Spire. Nice. It's only an early access, but it's a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah. So, that's... We, we've covered it before. I think, Mike, you've mentioned it before. It was my good thing, like, week three or four or something like that. Right. The actual good thing that I was planning on talking about this week is an online uh, story, an online, I don't know, whatever you want to call it, which I, you might have mentioned it before, Worm. Homestuck. Yeah. No. Well, that's a good thing, too, but Worm? I don't uh, know that one, so I probably really? didn't mention it. Holy crap, dude. It is incredible. So it's 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 like, it's under the parahumans. Uh, st- the, the story itself is called Worm. The world it's set in is called Parahumans. It's basically a superhero thing, uh, to put it very, very lightly. But we're talking like, you know how Sanderson does the whole explaining the magic system type thing? Well, this does the same thing with superheroes. Uh, it's very in-depth. It's, it, it actually reminds me a lot of Sanderson's type of world building and that sort of thing. It is incredible. It is also gigantic, so if you plan on reading it, you're going to need a lot of time, which is good, because it's a lot of material, and it's it's very, very compelling. Um, he There is a sequel series in the same universe, which is what I started reading, because I just found out it existed. I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm looking up Worm, because I, I like to look it up every now and then to see if there's anything new going on. I'm hoping he eventually releases a physical copy, because you can only get it online. And then I'm like, he started making a sequel... Like, I don't know, a few months ago. And I'm like, holy crap, this is great. And I've been reading that. Um, How do you spell worm? It is amazing. What? How do you spell worm? I can think of at least three ways for it to go. Just look up parahumans and you'll get it. Or, how do you spell worm? It's the normal one. It's the insect. W-O-R-M. Thank you. The main character, this is not... No, actually, you know what? I'm not going to say anything. No spoilers. Just... Go enjoy it. It is amazing. Uh, I believe Sanderson has mentioned he read it before because like someone asked them, they're like made a recommendation and he popped up on Reddit and, and mentioned he take a look. And I, I don't recall what he said. I just remember he read it and I think he liked it, but I don't want to speak for him. Uh, but dude is awesome. I, I would love to reread it, but it's just so long. That's why I'm hoping for it to be releasing a physical copy with some editing done to sort of slim it down just a little bit. Um, But it's a great experience, and I sort of wish I could go through it again, like, for the first time. One of the best things I've read, like, online, along with, like, you know, Homestuck (laughs) and other things. Who's next? Mike mentioned Order of the Stick recently, even. Dave, sounds like you're next. Oh, man. So many good things. I, I have so many good things that I thought about bringing, up, bringing to the table this week. But last night, I one kind of popped into my head and really want to talk about it. Uh, my good thing is actually a person. And uh, you know how much I, I love bringing up deceased actors on this show. I just spent some time last night thinking about Phil Hartman and his oh. contribution to 90s television. Of course, uh, really famous for Saturday Night Live for his work on The Simpsons, Troy McClure and Lionel Hutz, as well as some one-off characters, other voice work in various other cartoons like in The Critic. Uh, he, of course, uh, Bill McNeil in News Radio, fantastic show. And I was just thinking, like, man, how awesome was Phil Hartman and how influential in the development of you know, 90s television. And just, like, imagine if we actually got the Phil Hartman, Zat Brannigan. I mean, let's face it, we all know the part of Zat Brannigan was written for Phil Hartman. I think 
I've actually heard or read a story that basically Matt Groening and David Cohen called up Phil Hartman and were like, hey, we got a job for you. And uh, he was like, oh, no, let me come in and, and do a reading. And he actually did a reading for Zat Brannigan, uh, which I wonder if it's actually public, if you could find it anywhere. I'd be really interested in hearing that. But yeah, just uh, we know that he met a tragic end, but I don't want to talk about that because this is a good thing. Talk about all of the good things Phil Hartman brought to our lives in our childhood. Yeah. Rest in peace, Phil. Uh, Tori, I think you're next. At the time of recording this, it is October, and I have just finished my annual reread of The Graveyard Book, which I have read every year, sometimes twice since it came out. It's a beautiful book about a boy in a graveyard raised by ghosts. And it's beautiful. It's uh, Neil Gaiman at his best. It won the Newbery the year it came out, which is the highest honor a children's book can win. It's a wonderful book, and everybody should read it. Yeah, I actually haven't read that one. I've done a number of uh, Neil Gaiman books. So when you say Neil Gaiman at his best, are you legitimately saying that the Graveyard book is better than... um? Wow, why can't I remember the name of it? The Sandman? Sandman, yes. Well, that's a matter of your personal preferences and taste. <laughs> um, Sandman is amazing, but as a children's librarian and also a child at heart, um, it's a little too rough for me to say it's my favorite Neil Gaiman. Uh, right. it's, very, it's very rough. Uh, the Graveyard Book is not that bad. <laughs> it's... Um, it's a very beautiful, I don't even know what you'd call it, just um, thoughts on life and death and mortality and what we're on this earth to do. And also, it's a good story, and I enjoy it. Next question. How would you say it compares to Fortunately the Milk? <laughs> um, not No comparison, really. Uh, Fortunately the Milk is a comedy and is hilarious, by the way. I love Fortunately the Milk, and there is, a, there is a certain category of child that comes to the library looking for a book that, like, I know Fortunately the Milk is the book to hand that child, but it's a different category of child than the Graveyard Book. I need to look these books up. You um, do? Yeah, definitely. I haven't read the Graveyard Book, although my wife recommends it very strongly. Um, fortunately, the milk is like, you can knock it out in an hour. It's, it's a kid's book there. There's not so many words to per page. Like there's art and it's great. And there's Maybe dinosaurs I on stream. And I think pirates, are there pirates? I remember pirates. Yes, there are pirates. And pirate dinosaurs. <laughs> and dinosaur knights. But I, I would recommend fortunately the milk to anyone and by proxy uh i will recommend the graveyard book in addition to tori's recommendation but this one uh but this recommendation from my wife who has read it mm. and loved it and i have not yet i will eventually uh tori was that all you had for the graveyard book yes that's all i have okay then my good thing this week is a comic book um graphic novel Whatever. It's completed. It's called Lock and Key. It is written by Joe Hill. Uh, the art is by Gabriel Rodriguez. Um, Joe Hill, for those of you who don't know, is Stephen King's son and an excellent author in his own right. I actually like his stuff better than his dad's. Um, Stephen King has some issues finishing books in a satisfying manner that Joe Hill doesn't have issues with. Um, yeah, it's freaking amazing. The Locke family, um, after a pretty significant personal tragedy, comes back to their ancestral home of Key House, which is home to just a ridiculous number of magical keys that, when used, have various effects. Like, there's a key that you, you turn it through a certain door and you walk through and you become a ghost until you come back. 
there's one that lets you turn into an animal. There's a key that makes you grow super big. Um, there's one that gives you wings. There's a key that lets you control an army of shadows. It's super duper holy crap good. Highly recommended. It is completed. Um, there are six volumes, which each cover six issues of the comic. And then each one of those is sort of its own self-contained storyline, but the whole thing is like a full story arc. Uh, there was a TV pilot that was shot a few years ago by Fox. It didn't get picked up for, like, full syndication and, you know, a full series made of it. But you can check out the trailer on YouTube. Apparently, I want to say Amazon is in the process of putting together a TV show of their own for Lock and Key that I'm very excited about. Um, but there's there's no like dates announced, so they're fairly early in the process at this point. It could all still fall apart, but I'm I'm very hopeful. It's wonderful. Uh, have any of you guys read it? So no. it's funny. I just looked it up, and apparently I've read the wiki entry on this before, but I don't recall it at all. Well, I, I've never read it. You you should. Um, Dave, Tori, either of you run into this before? Nope. Nope. Dang. <laughs> is it Lovecraftian? A little bit. Because it's that's what I'm noticing. Lovecraft keeps popping up when I do a search for it, like on Amazon and stuff. Eh, that's sort of spoilers toward the end. Whoops. The, I'm the sorry. Lovecraftian, like it's it's set in the town of Lovecraft, uh, Massachusetts, which isn't a real place, but that's the name of the town. But then there are some further Lovecraftian themes that show up later. Hewlett Packard Lovecraft? Exactly. Harry Potter Lovecraft. Sure. So, yeah, that's all I got on that. Lock and key. Get on it. Okay, Dave, you read some chapters this week. I sure did. What were they? Chapters 32 through 34, the end of part 4. And what happened in those chapters? Well, in chapter uh, 32, you know, after the Noble House War was starting to get all up into full swing and people killing each other, they are arranging to meet Marsh, Kelsier's brother. Remember, he is an undercover working as an obligator in the soothing stations to get some inside information on the ministry. So, you know, they uh, have set aside this time to go and meet Marsh and get some intel from him. Uh, and, oh, he's dead. They show up and he's dead. Uh, right. They apparently found out about Marsh not being on their team. Um, so right before they leave, Vin notices a letter under a table leg in the room and he grabs it and they run out and they head back to Clubs's shop. Like, what do we do now? I mean, they read the letter and, you know, right before basically right before dying, Marsh wrote the letter. It's like, well, they're on to me. See you later, guys. And if uh, you read this, I have been dead for years. <laughs> Wait a minute. So he was a uh he was a conjurer all along? No, he's been a ghost. He was actually dead for 50 years. Ooh. <laughs> Can't be that much older than... Wait, Wait, are you saying Marsh is really Kelsier's father, not his brother? Anyway. So, all the dudes at Clubs' shop are like, well, crap, the ministry is really thorough. They will have brainwashed him and picked his brain and tortured every tiny little bit of information out of him that they could. And so the whole operation is compromised, and they got to hightail it on out of there and get to the backup, the backup uh, hideout. And they do. They're all cramped in the backup hideout, and everyone's having a good old time making fun of Breeze, just like always, because he's in a cramped, dirty place now. And, you know, everyone's like, all right, that's it. We're done for. Then what 
uh, Kelsier's like, oh, hang on. I, I want to go do something real quick. And he just goes, and he completely destroys the pits of Hathston. Goes to the pits of Hathston. Peter drags his way over there. Uh, kills all the guards. Sets all the prisoners free. And this work uh, about the atium geodes and the crystal rather the crystals that generate the geodes that if you use allomancy near them they just completely shatter so he jumps down into the pits and just completely destroys every bit of atium production that he can and then he goes on his merry way home and he's all pewter dragged out and he's like yeah i kind of did something dumb <laughs> destroyed the pits <laughs> of Hatton. um and then the next day of course, the Lord Ruler is going to retaliate, and so we get this is getting into chapter thirty-three here. Lord Ruler is going to retaliate, so of course he's going to have some executions. And Kelsier uh, feels like he owes it to all of the sky that are being put to death to at least be there and attend their funeral, or not their funeral, their executions. So he gets there. And as the carriages oh, carriages are coming in, they notice that uh, a lot of the prisoners that have been taken to be executed were Renault's gang, including Renault himself and Spook, whom they had sent off to uh, be with them since Spook was their best tenai. They're like, oh boy, we got to go save him. And then Ham's like, <laughs> oh boy, we got to go save him. And then Dachshund's like, oh boy, we got to go save him. And Vince says, y'all are nuts. I ain't saving nobody. <laughs> hey, no, but real eventually, quick. Yeah. Did you not do bullet points? No, I didn't do bullet points. What? I, everything was just moving so fast. And I was I was a little more relaxed as I was just reading. I was kind of snuggled in bed and it was cold this week. Um, <laughs> no bullet points. <laughs> I just picture you warm and snuggle. All right, well, let let me file this as an official complaint. I missed my bullet points. (laughs) All right. Next week. You get an infraction. (laughs) Unless it's cold outside again next week. What are the odds of that happening at the end of October? Tori doesn't have to deal with that. You don't like my, you guys are nuts, I ain't saving nobody? Come on. I liked it. I (laughs) get Uh, so we actually had like a half hour long blizzard yesterday. Oh, wow. we live in a mountain. Soon for that, nothing stuck, but it was real nasty. I would die. I would die. Yeah. Anyway, back to back to stuff happening. Back to the story. Uh, okay. So Vince is like, "Y'all are nuts," and then Dachshund's like, "You really don't understand the power of friendship, do you?" So he. Phrased exactly like that. <laughs> um. So anyway, she's like, "All right, fine, whatever." And she goes and follows him all, you know, close to the scene. But uh, do you have to assume that there are obligators and steel inquisitors nearby? And she is still kind of trying to hide from them because they've been trying to capture her since she was living on the streets. And so Kelsey goes up and. Starts to free the prisoners, and Ham has some nearby recruits that he's coming, and they're busting people out of the carriages. And here comes old Steel Inquisitor, and he wants to pick a fight with Kelsier, and Kelsier's just kind of like play around him and delay and give Ham and his dudes time to free the prisoners out of the carriages. But Steel Inquisitor's like, I ain't having that. Chops off a dude's head, and Kelsier's like, uh, I guess he like I like will actually have to fight him to keep him from chopping off more people's heads. So they get in an awesome one-on-one match, really exciting, and like they're they're about to show down. That's the end of chapter thirty-three, and then chapter thirty-four is the actual fight between them, which is freaking awesome. ATM versus ATM battle, and not not the uh, the one that we had between Vin and Lady Sean was really cool, but it ended pretty fast. This one just like constant stuff going on and a million Inquisitors versus a million Kelsiers. And who should show up but our good friend Ellen DeVenture. He heard that the Renault uh, convoy has been uh, has been taken over and been 
taken, and he's like, no, where's uh, where's Lady Valette? I gotta come save Lady Valette. And Kelsier's like, get out of here, kid. She's fine. He's like, God, the things I do for Vin, saving a nobleman's <laughs> life. Uh, what have I become? And then you know he gets down to a showdown with the Obligator, and I I love this. So in his fight with the Obligator, he manages to outmaneuver him, and like first of all, the Obligator's throwing carriages at him, which is pretty awesome. And I think at one point he actually like steal pulls himself into the middle of the carriage like at, and like goes through the doors as it's flying at him and like holds like suspends himself in the middle of the carriage as it's flying past him. It was pretty awesome. And uh <laughs> the, but the, really this this is awesome. Kelsier gets uh gets the inquisitor up against a wooden carriage and beats him in the face and pounds the spikes in his head to the carriage and gets him stuck there with like his head with the with the eyeball spikes pinned to the carriage and then he goes and grabs his axe and like chops him off. He doesn't chop his head off because his head is stationary pinned to the carriage. He chops his whole body off. He just <laughs> slices him right through the neck. So you just have his head like head stuck to the side of a carriage and then the body lumps over. It's awesome. You should show up, but old Lord Roller himself. Nope. Baron von Meterstick. Baron von Meterstick. Oh, Baron, or, that's it. Or, um, or as Kelsier calls him, Lord Tyrant. Uh, so... <laughs> I think ours is more clever. Nah. Lord Tyrant shows up. And, you know, this is the moment Kelsier has been waiting for. He's been waiting years to face down against Lord Roller. And, you know, Vin and Docs are watching from the sidelines. Do you have the 11th medal? Do you have it figured out? Like, well, he must know what he's doing, right? This is Kelsier. He would, you know, so he's up against Lord Ruler. And, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Lord Ruler is freaking BA. I don't know if I'm allowed to say the BA word on this podcast. And I don't actually consider it a cuss word, but. You could say OP. No, there's there is no substitute for the BA word. Like the, <laughs> okay. there are there are words that are close. Like hardcore comes close, but it doesn't really carry the same weight as bad. I agree Lord that Roller, he is Mr. T's character from the A team. <laughs> <laughs> I'm bad. I got a night off Mohawk. <laughs> a night. Who's to say Mr. T didn't t- hack the world of Warcraft and make himself a night help? Well, oh. um, it's an old Warcraft. Yes. All right. So, first of all, some things of note. Uh, Lord Ruler, very handsome, very young looking. He is immortal, after all. So, what else would you expect? Um, I pictured him as uh, as the magic card Epicure of Blood. Okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I know that one. I hate that guy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh anyway, so he's just, he's walking up slowly toward Kelsier and then a couple of ham soldiers are like, ah, die you monster and they run up to him with spears and they just jam spears into his back. And he just keeps walking. Doesn't even like doesn't even notice that they're there. Well he notices that they're there, but doesn't even pay them any mind. Walks up to Kelsier. Two spears jutting through his chest right into Kelsier's face. Uh, and, you know, Kelsier's just standing there smiling, cocky as ever. Lord Roller backhands him, which disintegrates half of his face. And he goes flying across the, the courtyard. And then Kelsier's sitting there on the ground, lying there on the ground, face bleeding. The half of his face that you can still see is still smiling. Lord Roller jams a spear into his chest and just kills him. And all the while, Kelsier keeps smiling. All he wanted to do was to show the people that they didn't need to fear Lord Roller. And then uh, once everybody clears out of there and, you know, they're sure that there aren't any Inquisitors or Obligators nearby, Finn runs up and, and cries and says, and is reminded by the voice of her brother Reen in her heart 
that everybody will believe her in the end. And that's the end of part four. All right. Good episode. Nice talking to you guys this week. So, yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention, I love the line um, after Kelsier kills the Steel Inquisitor and Lord Ruler comes up and he's like, you know, those are very hard to replace. <laughs> so were you surprised at how that ended? Uh, not really. I mean, I I didn't want Kelsier to die, but at the same time, like, the book seems to have been setting up Vin as the protagonist moving forward, so it wasn't really, like, a complete shock. Um, I was hoping that, you know, he would have died going down, you know, doing something more than just standing there and having his face backhanded and half disintegrated. But, uh, you know, I, I, I expected Kelsier to die. I just, I wanted it to be, like, during the plan, not, like, I didn't want him to die on a side quest. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Fighting the Lord Ruler is a side quest? No, but, you know, the Lord, like, he didn't come to the town square to face the Lord Ruler. No, but well, he went the and, end you know, goal. The side quest was to save Spook and yeah, yeah. Renault. Oh, by, oh, and Renault died. <laughs> Forgot to mention that. Renault got chopped off. Well. Ham isn't certain if he's dead or not. He doesn't really know how Condra works. Oh, work. right, because the uh, he's a he's a Condra, and they don't exactly know what kind of injuries they can survive through. But I think like, he actually does get his head chopped off. But they're like, oh, he might be okay. Well, that is coming from Ham, who specifically says that he doesn't know. Other people might know. I guess we'll find out. Um, so you said that Kelsier's uh, what Kelsier wanted to prove was that people didn't need to be afraid of the Lord Ruler. Did he achieve that by getting slapped to death? <laughs> he didn't get slapped to death. He got stabbed by a spear. He no, got he slapped. got slapped to death. Half his face came off. Yeah, but you don't you don't need a full face to be alive. Didn't you ever see that movie? The half-dead face guy? The half-dead face guy. The documentary Batman. <laughs> what? Uh, I just that just reminds me of that line from The Simpsons when <laughs> Principal Skinner goes to counseling and he's like, "My mother covered her half of the TV with cardboard. We rented Man Without a Face. I didn't even know he had a problem." <laughs> also, you fear says face off. No, I meant Man Without a Face. Oh, okay. Well, there's there's Face Off, there's Man Without a Face, there's Phantom of the face Opera, there are various someone... Batsmen. I thought Face Off was about someone taking someone else's face, but he only takes half of it? I don't know. No, he takes all of it. They switch faces. Okay. It's well, John Travolta it. playing Nick Cage and Nick Cage playing John Travolta, but they're also each playing each other again, so it, like, loops around and... Man, it's weird. I know a lot of people really like that, and like that's the the premiere. John, I don't, I don't. It's, mm, I didn't care for it. This isn't spoilerino section. It's not really spoilers. Yeah, we're discussing the, the premise of the film, and well, also that I, mean, I didn't you, like it. Some films you, some films discussing the premise would be a spoiler. For instance, Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho. It's a John Woo action film. There's not really spoilers. It's just explosions. Uh, you could say the premise of Psycho. What they they go to a hotel and there's a creepy. Uh, you already spoiled creepy. the movie. No, no, no. Oh, no. that's it. I I guess that's what I'm recording as the spoiler for for this episode. <laughs> they go to a hotel and there's a creepy dude. Died. Yes. There's actors and actresses. All right, Dave. What Ooh, else you got before we get ready? The first time you see a toilet in the movies. Is it really? Yeah. There's a shower. And yeah, a but there's also garden. a toilet, which they were not allowed to show before that. That's funny. Man, Alfred Hitchcock always pushing the envelope. Uh, awesome director, though. I loved everything of his that I've seen. Um, what do I got? Well, I hope that. Somebody will tell Vin that Ellen came looking for her. <laughs> but I guess, like, Ham was there, so he probably will. So that's good. I think there won't be 
any misunderstanding between them, unless he forgets to tell her. Oh, did you like, enjoy the combat uses of elemental alamancy? Yeah, like uh, dodging through the carriage, pulling, like pushing himself into the center L- of the carriage. Uh, uh, okay, Breeze. I'm talking about what Breeze did. Oh, What did I say? Elemental. I That's think not the emotional. word I meant. Emotional. That's the word I meant. Yep. Hi, guys. Oh, okay. It's 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and I'm not awake yet. Uh, okay. Don't... I, I All I remember is him um, bringing out the fear in Vin so that she wouldn't fight. Not in Vin. Oh, okay. I'm paying enough attention, I guess. But, yeah, uh, he was... He was, um, he was directing that to a squad of, um the Lord Ruler's troops, or some Lord's troops, or whatever, to okay. keep them from bothering, you know, Kelsier and the uh, Inquisitor's fight. Oh, cool. I misread that. I thought he was doing that to Vin to keep her from jumping in to help Kelsier. Uh, but the answer to your question is the same. I thought it was a really cool, clever application of, you know, of um, status-inducing magic, you know? And you know, you're not good at fighting, you don't have any fire spells, but uh, you Freaking can, control decks, dude. You can cast Berserk on somebody when there's a law against attacking, and then they get banned and you win the fight. Cast Mini Toad. <laughs> Alright, anything else before we kick you off? Yeah, 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 I got stuff. Um, so, uh, from what from what we were talking about, la- next week is gonna be the end of Mistborn, right? Yep, yeah. last Last really section cool. of so who knows? Given that, Dave, what do you think? What do you think is gonna? So now is your time for speculation. How's the book gonna end? We're well, coming to the end. We know what that it's think? a trilogy, and the way Brandon writes, I'm sure that he knew that it was gonna be a trilogy as well, as he wrote the end of Mistborn. Um, so okay. So, so what left, do you think? What's left to happen? Basically, everything's gone down the pooper. Uh, like, but... do you have any speculation at all about what they should do, what the characters should do, how they're going to handle the situation, how the book's going to end, that sort of thing? I mean, I don't know, because if they want, they can't keep going on with the same plan that they had, because, you know, just because Marsh leaked all their information. Um, like, I am actually curious if marsh has been a chondra i said that jokingly before but i I was actually suspicious of that um wait a minute maybe that doesn't make sense okay it as as i've been reading it seems like chondra can only take the form of somebody who's deceased is that correct is that something that i've read i'll leave that up the mic i don't i don't know uh, I mean, I know the answer, but I'm not going to answer unless Mike thinks it's okay. I don't remember if that was mentioned at any point previous to now was... or not without confirming or denying that the thing you're saying is correct. Okay. I thought that it was mentioned uh, during the Ellen's chapter when he goes home and talks about like their house, Condra. Um... So with with that assumption in mind, I would say, I was thinking maybe that uh, Mare, you know, when Kelsier saw Mare on the day he was betrayed, that maybe she was a chondra, but then she died later in the pits. Uh, so your theory is right. that everyone is a chondra. <laughs> no, <laughs> my theory is that there are no people. They're all chondras. None of them realize they're chondras or that everyone else is a chondra. (laughs) It's like when undercover cops all try to sting the same thing and everyone there is undercover. My favorite movie. Uh, I guess, I don't know. I figure that they'll have to try to come up with some new plan. Uh, They've got, you know, Vin has been getting better at her allomancy and even just watching this last fight with Kelsier, she understands how to use the pushing and pulling better just seeing Kelsier in action. Uh, so, you know, she's going to have to go training and collect the seven Dragon Balls and revive Kelsier so that they can take over the Empire again. Wait a minute. 
maybe since Kelsier, yeah, maybe since Kelsier is dead now, the Renault Conjure can actually like take over his body and be a figurehead still for the revolution. That's my all right. There's my official prediction. So like the the Renault Conjure is dying, so he needs to transfer. He needs to absorb the life or image of someone else to keep going. So he's going to take over and be the new Kelsier. At least just to be like a figurehead of the revolution. And they're going to be like, ah, oh, there's there's the survivor of Hathson who withstood having half his face slapped off by the Lord Ruler. Hey, there you have it. Okay. Miss Born 2. Miss Harder. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts about this 11th medal? Uh, yeah. Um, because like Kelsier, maybe he seemed. I mean, he's always cocky, but he seemed pretty confident. Maybe the eleventh metal doesn't have allomantic power, but it has ferrochemical power. Or maybe it somehow links the two together, which means Vin can get the memories out of her earring. Ah, oh, it's so good. <laughs> so the eleventh metal can only be used by someone adept at both allomancy and ferrochemy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think you're done. <laughs> oh, I've only just begun. Alright. <laughs> well, then keep going. Nah, I'm done. Okay. Alright, guys. Have fun making fun of me. We'll do. Yep, we'll do. Hey, next week we'll we'll review if anything pops up and we can joke about it. Well, <laughs> next week we're finishing the book and then the week after that we're doing a full first book overview. Oh, okay. Yeah. We're not going to wait for the end of the trilogy. Well, we're also going to do that. Just at the end of every book, we'll we'll do a recap of the book. Cool. Man, two books finished. This is crazy. I know, right? Not yet. Well, three if you count the Hope of Elantris. I don't. We, we don't. It doesn't <laughs> count. That was just a fanfic. <laughs> I mean, basically. <laughs> I guess authors can write fanfics. Self-fanfic, maybe? Yeah. Auto fanfic. Auto fanfic. Alright, go away. Alright, goodbye. Bye. Bye. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. Uh, okay. So, he called... Renew taking over Kelsier's body. Dude, he so called that. But how did he call it? How? But he's just like because he's thinking about Contra and what they can do. But I guess he's he's not accepting Renault the the Renault Contra as dead because there's this whole unknown. He's like, wait a minute, Contra do dead dudes. Kelsier's now dead. You put two and two together, it makes sense. Um, he did not call it being part of Kelsier's plan. Sure. So, so there is that. That's because you don't realize that there is a plan yet. You think everything fell apart by the end of this chapter. It's like it's all like it's downhill. Marsh was compromised and killed. Kelsier's killed. They only have one Mistborn who's inexperienced in comparison. Like that's it. They lost a bunch of people. Except uh, that Kelsier has been talking about a secret plan that he can't tell anyone about for the entire book. Yeah, but it's Kelsier. <laughs> like, you... like, gosh, I wish I could tell Docs about my secret plan. It would it would sure put his mind at ease, but that would ruin the plan. Darn. Ruin the plan. Yep. Um, so, we've actually, in our spoiler chat, uh, brought up a little bit of how the 11th medal, uh, the whole, the whole thing with the 11th medal doesn't really come together until you finish the entire, uh, first trilogy. Um, because the, the whole concept of the 11th medal, the, the, uh, blah, the, the lore surrounding it, um, is, as everyone but Kelsier suspects, not true. Just made up, but not made up by Kelsier. Um, Kelsier legitimately found this uh, because it was made up by Ruin. Mm, Yes. Okay. Who who was using 
that to manipulate Kelsier. He's got a little tiny bit of influence with Kelsier, who is, uh, as pointed out by basically every character that he interacts with, insane. Yep. Which Ruin can influence insane people a little bit. He's not very insane. He's not, like, he's not Gemmel insane. Uh, but he is just crazy enough that Ruin can get a few things in, and one of the things he managed to sneak in was the idea that the 11th medal is important. Um, we actually get where the source of this is from a short story called The 11th Metal, yep. um, which was featured in the Mistborn tabletop adventure game, um, and we'll get to that when we get to it, um, but it was, so, sorry. I was going to say, it's it's sort of funny. Well, I, I mean, this is not really tangent, but, um, like, Ruin and Preservation have to sort of use the same people. Like, they're both sort of using Kelsier. They both use Vin. Like, she has, you know, Ruin's influences because of, of her earring, um, but she's also working for preservation in the end. And he has to use, he can't just use people who are more, you know, about preservation. He has to use people that Ruin would also use. Uh, no. Preservation's pool of people is separate. Um, the reason that Vin is sort of in contention is that after preservation picked Vin, Ruin mm, saw to it that she got pierced. Yeah. Like, she got hemallergied, which sort of marked her for him as well. Um, but I had... think that's part of the point, though. He need... Preservation needed that for his ultimate plan to work. For his ultimate plan, sure. Um, but, yeah, no. Like, if Ruin had gotten to Vin first, Preservation couldn't have primed her. Um, they. But then yeah. she wouldn't be that important either, I think. Because, you know, Ruin is, is still weak at this point. I mean, she still would have been a a Mistborn that was pierced by metal, so a a powerful tool. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, she wouldn't. She wouldn't have been quite the same thing. Um, anyway, back to the eleventh metal. The source of it is a a nobleman Mistborn uh, who's just doing research, trying to find new new alimantic metals. Uh. And then Kelsier sort of latches on to this one new metal that he's found, and with some whispers from Ruin, thinks that it's the source of how to kill the Lord Ruler. So, so the thing is, though, this this 11th metal, like, Vin will use it in the upcoming chapters. And, and it will give her it, the hint she, she needs, yes. Yeah, exactly. So it it ultimately does help, and I think the, the important part is knowing what it actually does, showing who the Lord Roller really is and how he can use Ferrochemy. Like, that's that's the important part that you need. So, alright, next point. Um, Dave thinks everyone is a Chondra. Holy crap. <laughs> the the <laughs> who is the Chondra... So it's gonna be so good. It's... Okay, that is sort of hands down one of my favorite plot lines of, of the entire trilogy is the section in book two where Vin is trying to figure out who the Chondra is. Um, at least in part because we get a lot of Tensoon in there. We don't know he's Tensoon at that point, but yeah. Tensoon's one of my favorite characters, though. Tensoon is fantastic. He's a puppy. I'm glad he's popping up. Tensoon is puppy. Yeah. It's like, you don't really care about Orsir uh, and Renault. It's like, eh, he's just a thing, he's a spy, whatever. Man, Tensoon, though. He gets some screen time. Tensoon is puppy. Um, yeah, and he hates it at first. And I think he still uses that form in in Era, Era two, 2. Yeah. Well, by by the end of book 3, he's like, "Oh, actually being a dog is pretty great." Um and then yeah, by by Era 2, that's just that's just how he rolls. Yeah. Uh so you said that you wanted to talk about uh Kelsier destroying the pits of Hessen. Yeah, so it's it's sort of interesting, right? So that's that's Ruin's body, essentially. Uh, um, the not the geodes, the the actual beads of ATM are Ruin's yeah, body. Yeah, the ATM that's forming, but destroying the pits 
will make ATM sort of dry up for a bit. Um, um, it's said in the books that they will remain destroyed for, like, destroyed as in no longer producing for about 300 years. So right. presumably someone has already done this once, and there was just no new ATM produced for about three centuries. So, and since Allomancy in its current form wasn't really a thing pre-Ascension, it had to have been sometime within, you know, the Lord Ruler taking over the world. Yeah, I'm guessing, like, within the first century or so, he's like, hey, there's this cool metal. It's pretty awesome. I'm going to send some of my own dudes to mine it, and they'll use Allomancy, because that'll be really easy. And then it broke, and then there wasn't any ATM for 300 years. Well, I don't th I don't think they did as much as Kelsier. Like, Kelsier yeah, no, he, he intentionally went down and broke everything he could find. Yeah. Like, um, but, but the thing is, I find it funny. Uh, since his action, he ruined the pits. Which is a very ruined thing, but at the same time, it's also Ruin's body that forms here. So it's sort of this, like, I can imagine Ruin being like, yes, and like, no, yes. Like, you know, mixed feelings. Well, this yeah. is also, like, potentially the end game, which both both Ruin and Preservation realize that. It doesn't sure, full-blown hit end Ruin... game until the end of the next book, but, like, they know it's coming. Yeah, all I'm saying is Ruin, I can imagine, like the action, but also dislike the action. Sure. And I find that amusing. Um, I like that the fact that Kelsier does this irritates the absolute crap out of Hoyd. <laughs> well, sure. Ultimately, I just... some, some booger destroyed the easy access portal. I find that satisfying. And I also wonder, like, I get that preservations perpendicularity is difficult to use because it is explicitly a prison but like ruins perpendicularity is a penal colony it's well guarded specifically against people getting out and that's yeah, the but, easy access but it's people who don't have any special abilities whereas hoyd has access to investiture of some type Okay, he but not not every world hopper is invested. We know Hoyt is. We know Hoyt is, but apparently That's there was like an entire like there was fairly regular travel between Scadriel and everywhere else through this perpendicularity. Which maybe, was... maybe there's just some guards that are part of it. Like they're in on it. They get they get some kickbacks to let people through who because they're they're not prisoners. It's like who's this person I've never seen before who's in good health because they're not prisoners. You pay them, you let them through. No big deal. A little kickback hmm. for, for so, House Venture. So I know this has been asked, but I don't remember what the actual answer was. On Scadrial starting in Era 2, are there one or two perpendicularities? I believe there's just one, but uh, I can't cite the source for that. And is it in like an easily accessible place similar to... The one on it, uh, the one on Cell? Cell. Elantris World. Wait, what? The the one on Cell, the one outside of Elantris, is just, yeah. you know, at the top of a mountain next to a major city. Like, sure. it's super duper easy to access, assuming you can handle the cognitive realm nastiness. Which, anyone invested for Moshar ought to be able to pretty easily. Well, we we haven't like explicitly seen it yet. So, for all we know, it's in south. It's it's in the uh, on the South Pole, which I believe there's there's been some theories that Harmony's um, perpendicularity is not anywhere near you know uh, Ellen Ellendale. Ellendale is the name of the city, but we yeah. also see Chris oh, and Naz show up. So. Yeah, but they can travel. Halfway across the planet? To dance and interview? <laughs> Alright, so maybe there is... Harmonies is in the North Pole. I don't think we've explicitly heard it mentioned. So. I mean, okay. 
it's not outside the realm of possibility. They do do a lot of travel, so doing a lot of travel on one world certainly wouldn't be out of the question. But, really? They did that much just to just to talk to Wax? Like, hey... Well, when... it wasn't just Wax. They were talking to other uh, users, other investor people. But elements when, when, you, when you're flinging yourself through the air, have you ever changed your weight? And does that change your speed? They're researchers. They're scientists. I know. It's a really good question. <laughs> uh, dude, I freaked out when I read that part. I'm like, what is going on? They're asking questions that I want answers to. And they're doing it but, in like, the But it universe, had nothing to do with nice. the, the book itself. Do you think maybe somebody asked Brandon Sanderson those questions and he was like, oh, I'm going to put those in the next <laughs> uh, I'm not sure that there are questions of that nature that Brandon hasn't been asked yet. I'm trying to see if there's any word of Brandon's about uh, Harmony's perpendicularity. I'm certain there are. I'm not bothering to look them up. I don't know. It's sort of dry. Ugh. Yes. That is an kind actual of like picture of Tensoon. Tensoon is puppy. <laughs> that's that's what we take from this discussion. I don't know, man. I, uh, you know, you fear, if you're listening still, you go talk to Brandon, ask him, and you're going to get raffled so hard. But go ask him where Harmony Shardpool is. Or you could just, just ask if it's on the North Pole. Like, be generic enough that he might give you an answer. He'd be like, hey... Where's wait? Do you even know who Harmony is? I don't know what you fear is right anymore. Well, he's in the spoiler section, so it's his own fault if he hears some stuff that messes him up. Yeah. No. No is what he says. Well, rip Ufir. Um, I'm suddenly running out of things to talk about, except that Kelsier is a grumpy dad who doesn't like yeah. his daughter's boyfriend. It's true. But you know what? He's at least willing to accept that. Uh, willing to accept Ellen, that is. Oh, and also, um, Kelsier's death scene where he gets slapped to death uh, should be put to the tune of the You Just Got Slapped song from How I Met Your Mother. So I wanted to talk about how on rereading, how obvious it is that this was Kelsier's plan all along. Just... He was planning to die for these people. Yes, he was. Like, that was in the plan. Although, I would like to point out that after he killed the Inquisitor, he has a little spot of hope where he thinks just maybe he can actually pull this off without having to die. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like a backup plan. I've got that. The book is actually open to that page right now because that was going to be my next point. Maybe this doesn't have to go the way I assumed, Kelsier thought triumphantly. Maybe I don't have... Then it hit. So that's that's when the Lord Ruler shows up. Yep. So he's thinking for a moment there that, hey, maybe I can do this without dying, and and then, then he dies. Okay. Well, so he, his goal is to create hope, right? Like showing that people can stand up against the Inquisitors and against the Lord Ruler. So he killed an Inquisitor. Like, they can die. Here's proof. Now he stood up against Lord Roller and he smiled the whole time despite how much pain he was probably in. Yeah, but and we know can't... his ultimate plan is going to be coming back to life as the survivor. But they yeah. can't actually stand up to the Lord Ruler because as powerful as Inquisitors are, he is significantly more powerful. Like, well, they you, th don't know you throw that. a thousand ska at an Inquisitor Eventually, he'll just get buried under the bodies, and they can pull out a spike, and you're done. You can't do that to the Lord Ruler. There's no. he's he's just too powerful. Let's be honest. The characters know very little, and yet somehow manage to pull this off. Like it's amazing how much they don't know, and how much they assume about the Lord Ruler. They don't really get to see him do anything for most of their life. Because he's just chilling in his, uh, in the Black Rock Spire, whatever Dave calls it. So it's like, what? Tori has something? I was, gonna, I was just going to say, Credit Shaw. Yeah. Um, but Black Rock so, Spire. 
you you don't know how much the Lord Rule is actually capable of until he finally does something. And yet, even still, you know, Vin will ultimately be able to pull it off, as we'll see. Maybe with the help of preservation, of course, and also some very quick thinking. Well, she actually needed preservation, Sazed, and Marsh all working at very specific times. That's that's something I want to yeah. get into next week. Yeah. Um, Marsh is going to play an important part. Well, even more so in the future. I mean, King Elland aside, Marsh is actually the legitimate head of the government after uh, the Lord Ruler dies. Well, he he's the religious leader, and then Ellen is the secular. But the uh, the in- the Canton of Inquisition was placed at the head of the government at that yeah. point, right at right, the end, right. right at the end. Which means that Marsh, being the highest ranking Inquisitor in Luthadel, had authority. And no one else legitimately did as part of this government. I mean, it all it all went to crap because of, you know, the rebellion and everything. But, yeah. King Marsh. King Marsh. Uh... Emperor Swamp. Yeah, we have a lot to talk about next week. Yep, we've got the end of the book. Yay. Well, okay. There's four chapters and an epilogue. I have more to talk about, but we can do that later. Oh, do you want to talk about stuff? Uh, no, it was just more about Kelsier's death, and um, All right. but we can cover that. Next time. No, no, we can go, go, for go it. Great. Do your thing. Okay. Well, okay. In the annotations, um, Brandon tells us that we should have seen Kelsier's death coming. Maybe, maybe I'm ignorant and naive, but I totally didn't see it coming the first time I read the series. Like, um, and what Brandon says is that, you know, we should have seen it coming because the mentor character always dies. And he says he thought about not killing Kelsier just because he feared it was so expected and, um, and obvious but in the end, he decided it was best to um, to tell the best story possible, even if it was predictable. So that that's what Brandon says about Kelsier's death. But so I guess for me, on my first read through, I didn't realize that this was Ven's story. Okay. If that makes sense, because we start with Kelsier, like he's he is the opening. Yeah, he gets the prologue. It's, it's like so if you started Star Wars on Obi-Wan hanging out in a cave, and then we cut yeah. to Luke. Yeah. Um, so I really thought he was the hero. I mean, he's the the crew leader. He's in charge of all of these guys. And um, I realized that Vin was the hero, basically. I, th- I think the issue, though, with Kelsier, though, and I think... Uh, Brandon says that at some point, I don't know if it's an annotation or something, but like Kelsier is too disruptive to like keep around. Well, um, in, in this story, that, this that story, doesn't stop him from keeping Kelsier around. No. Well, I mean, for more than this book for this. Listen, listen, I have to agree. I think I was also surprised when Kelsier died. And maybe it was just when it happened, like, because it wasn't at the very end of the book. It was right before. Of course, I'm even more surprised that they killed off the Lord Ruler because I'm like, this is a trilogy. I thought this wasn't going to happen until book three. Look at how powerful he is. And then, holy crap, they succeeded. Uh, I am looking forward to Dave's play-by-play on Discord as he reads this stuff. Yes. Because that's going to go crazy. Absolutely. Um, He's, he's He's getting into the avalanche. Okay, so Brandon saying that we should have seen Kelsier's death coming. Number one, he did forecast it a little bit with Kelsier's secret plan, and he's the mentor character, and he's played by Sean Bean. Um, <laughs> I was thinking that. Oh man! But as as is true with a lot of a lot of the the twists and turns in Sanderson works. Um, you're not going to catch a lot of it on the first time through because it's not really intended to. If you're reading closely and you're looking for it, sure, you can put the pieces together uh, like Dave has been doing pretty well, which I think speaks well to the amount of foreshadowing that Brandon is able to do successfully. Well, keep in mind, Dave is able to take his time and actually pick up on things rather than just like, 
next page, next page, next page. He can, you know, he's doing three chapters. He can relax the pace. So you, de- you tend to notice more things that way. True. Um, and then the other thing is that his books benefit very heavily because of all this to rereading. You can pick up more stuff. Like, every time I go back through yep. the series, I catch more things. And I'm not talking just about Mistborn. I'm talking about the, the full Cosmere. I've read all of it a bunch of times. Except for Oathbringer, I've only done once because it's new. Um, but still, like, every time I go through, I notice something new every time. And and that's kind of a cool thing. I'm wondering what I'm going to get out of uh, out of Well of Ascension this time when we're going slow for Dave. Like, there's stuff I've probably missed, and it's going to be neat. Did you have anything else, Tori? Uh, yeah, I wanted to um, go back to the chapter where he's talking with Sazed about the Vala. Because um, okay. I just felt like, um, with his last line being, I am hope, I, I felt like this was relevant. Um, Some men would say that their devotion didn't make sense, Kelsier said. The loss of the Valen leaders should have broken the people, not made them more determined to keep going. Sazed shook his head. Men are more resilient than that, I think. Our belief is often strongest when it should be weakest. That is the nature of hope, Kelsier nodded. Did you want further instruction on the Vala? No. Thanks, Says. I just needed to be reminded that there were people who fought even when things looked hopeless. Hmm. Oh. Really? That reminds me of another, another factor that contributed to the end of the book actually working out, which was Marsh discovering the soothing stations and the, the crew hiring out to have them taken out. Like, without that, the uprising would have been put down way faster. True. And, yeah. With the elemental, emotional element. Yeah, I can't. I can't words. I was unable to words. I apparently am also unable to load Tori's puppy picture, and I'm sad about that. Yeah, I'm just having to say, I had to click on it. Weird. Um, But, yeah, so, so... I guess I guess Kelsier didn't need that just to make sure. Like I guess it was sort of he he knew it was gonna have like his plan to kill himself, reassure that they will continue despite him not being there because he he's he's putting it's sort of like it's a it's sort of like how preservation did all this. You have to set the pieces in motion early and just hope it works out according to plan. Dang, I didn't notice that, but yeah, there's. There's probably some intentional symmetry between Kelsier's plan and Preservation's plan. Yep. Dang. Dang it, Brandon. <laughs> Another thing to look out for on the reread. Uh, hey, speaking of things to look out for, we never figured out who that dude was. What dude? The uh, um, the obligator from the prologue on on Lord Trusting. Uh, the obligator at Lord Trusting's plantation. We like, were obligators. Are just nobles, typically. Oh. They're from a noble family. Okay, but there's he, a bunch of them. He was listed specifically as working for the Ventures. I okay. figured we were going to see him again, and I don't think we ever did. And that was one of the things I wanted to keep an eye out for on this reread. And I don't think we ever saw him. Um, I think it's a non-important so, character. So who's that dude is still an open question. Uh, Ufir, if you're so still here, we lose track of. Ufir, if you're I'm... still here, could you ask Brandon who that freaking <laughs> obligator was? <laughs> yes, I, Ufir, I, asking all the important questions. Oh man, Tori, you I, were I actually there for the for the for the prologue episode recording. Uh, you remember? You remember the the who's that dude question? Yes, I remember the question. Uh, because I have been listening to the back episodes, so that one came up recently. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't think he's come up again, and I, I agree with Craig. I don't think it's important. It's important to me. <laughs> you know what? I'm sure Sanderson actually knows, though. I bet he does. Actually, I bet he doesn't. I bet someone on his team does. I bet sure. if I get on Twitter and I, like, send the question to Peter Alstrom, I can get a response. I'm going to try that. I'll get back to you guys next week and let you know how it worked out. All right. I'm excited. Uh, Tori, 
Did you have yet another point? Nope, nope. Those were my points. I made them. Uh, So that's, I think that's the end of the show today. Yep. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye, Internet. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Thank you.